Hello, Marvelites! You are listening to Marvel's The Pull List for new comics out December 19th, 2018. I'm Ryan, aka Agent M. And I'm Lorraine Sink. You are! I'm also here! Yeah. I'm not Tucker, nope. I'm Lorraine. You're right. Tucker and I are in a feud, and every time he disappears, I snatch his spot from this podcast. Yeah. Get out of here, Tucker. Lorraine time. Yeah. Tucker is exploring the fields of Scotland and London. He's vowed not to go to any of the cities. Oh, well, I guess London is a city, so... How is he getting there? Yeah, does he not go through Heathrow like the no, rest of us? No, no, right. he said he'll only do boats, and he <laughs> won't go to any major ports. It's a fascinating trip that he's taking to Europe. To now, riff. Marvel's The Pull List is all about the new comics that come out. We're going to talk about the single issues, the digital stuff, the collections, uh, all the things hitting our apps, all that good stuff. We're going to tell you why we'd liked them, why we think you should check them out. Uh, and then you should go to your local comic shop or hit up the Marvel Comics app or the Marvel Unlimited app uh, to check these books out after you listen to the show. Oh, you know what? Before we even get into the books, first note – all the comics this week have their logos removed with a big banner for Stanley up at the top. If you're looking for the title of a comic book from Marvel this week, it's most likely at the bottom. And then the first few pages are remembrance for Stan. It's just a solemn way for us to, to say thank you, Stan. And I think it's beautiful that it is sort of a print version of a moment of silence. Yeah, that's it in a, in a nutshell. First up this week is Amazing Spider-Man number 12. It is written by Nick Spencer, art by Ryan Otley, Cliff Rathburn, and Laura Martin. VC's Joe Caramagna is on the letters. This issue actually serves as a great primer about J. Jonah Jameson, of all people. It runs through his whole life through the lens of a death trap built by the villain Arcade. It's got tons of quips by Spidey. I really, obviously, always love Ryan Otley's art because it keeps the action popping along. It's very zippy, very bouncy. I'm looking at the first page and you've got Spidey thwipping on a line and Jonah's literally running through. It's it's really good. Otley's just, his whole dynamic is so perfect for Spider-Man. It works so well. And it's also seasonably appropriate because it's kind of like a retelling of Dickens' A Christmas uh a Christmas, a Christmas terror. terror. A Christmas terror. No, I uh, like Dickens' A Christmas Carol. So uh, it's kind of like, is it a wonderful life, Mr. Scrooge? I've mixed up a lot of things, but you get where I'm going with it. I uh, So you get a sense of where I am. Every Christmas Eve, I watch Scrooge and end up in tears by the end of it. And my wife, because this is always at my in-law's house, she's like, are you okay? I'm like, uh, that's going to happen in just a couple days. Up next is Black Panther versus Deadpool. Number three, written by Daniel Kibblesmith, art by Ricardo Lopez-Ortiz, colors by Felipe Sobrero, and letters by VCs Joe Sabino. Man, what a wild issue. It's a, a, a three-way dance, which is a wrestling term that sort of denotes three wrestlers. Also a dance. That could just be a dance. Sure. But... <laughs> I like the wrestling side of it. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, we've got this three-way dance between Black Panther, Deadpool, and Jack-O-Lantern. And I like what Kibblesmith does here a bunch. Uh, he plays on the fact that Jack-O-Lantern has been dead in the past, has come back somehow, and how all that affects him is kind of questionable. He's not okay, really, from it. And so that's a really interesting tactic for him. He's a very sadistic villain. He was one of the main antagonists in Rick Remender's Great Run on Venom, and he kind of almost acts more of a catalyst for the Black Panther and Deadpool story. I love Ortiz's art so much. It's big, and it's exaggerated, and it's violent, and it's still retains a, a level of fun that is wild. And you know, there's a, a robotic zebra 
thing in this issue. So, you know, why not? Yeah. I mean, clearly, why not? Next up, we have Captain America. America. Yeah. His name is Captain America. No, no, no. It's Captain America, number six, by Ta-Nehisi Coates, with art by Laniel Francis Yu, inks by Jerry Allen Gillen, and colors by Sunny Go, letters by VCs Joe Carmagna, and lots of other people. The art in this book is, first off, I just want to shout it out. It's so silent off the top, and it gives this issue a lot of gravity and a lot of weight, and it's told really visually without saying a lot. But uh, that also speaks to some good scripting of, like, letting those moments land. Yeah, I actually had that note as, you know, one of the things I've, I've loved about Tanasi's run on the, the book has been his understanding the economy of words and, and what you're talking about and, like, the language of comics and how you can tell stories by not throwing just tons and tons of dialogue or exposition or, or captions on a page. Like, those work. Those are great, but you don't need those. You know, some pages are dialogue heavy in this issue, but some are just best said with silence and the, those well-illustrated and structured art. And you had that page open of Alexander Lucan on the mountain looking out at the world, and it's gorgeous and it's spooky, and it actually feels stealthily huge for the entire series. Like, this is a page. And it makes it feel so momentous when he's speaking to Alexei. This issue really kind of is her arc. This whole little story in here feels like it's about her. And it gives their relationship such weight and depth and import by being quiet and simple off the top because it makes it feel really emotional. Yeah. Uh, beautiful issue, lots of fun stuff, and some creepy sneaky baddies uh, there at the end. So enjoy. Yeah. You got another one, too. Oh, heck yeah, I do. I hear people call this Campions, but that's a pronunciation thing. <laughs> this is Champion Annuals number one, if you hear Ryan sighing. Yeah. So this is written by Jim Zub and Nyla Inixuk, with art by Marcus Toe. Jordan Boyd is our color artist and VCs. Clayton Cowles is our letterer. And this story is beautiful. It's all about Snow Guard. It's really her reconnecting with her home, reconnecting with her heritage, and ultimately reconnecting with herself and who she really is and what path she really ultimately needs to follow. It starts with this beautiful moment where she is getting traditional facial tattooing done, and it's her stepping up into womanhood, but also stepping up into herself as a superhero. And we see sort of, as she returns home, you know, what is that story and how does it affect her home life and what people think of her and what she thinks of herself? Yeah, you know, it's because she's like, she's 16 years old I think mm -hmm. and so she has gone off and done like tons of adventures and all this wild stuff and she comes home to like take this breath and it's it's a difficult thing her people are sort of like you know how like an animal you take them to the vet and sometimes if they have been like there's medicine or other smells mm -hmm. on them if you have other animals in the house they're like who are you mm -hmm. there's almost this sense of her family and her friends looking at her and like some of them are like you're not the person who left. But she's not. She's grown. Yeah, she's, she's changed. And her world is much bigger now. And also, I love the introduction of the villain in this book because it is sort of this bigger metaphor for who she is and the struggle she's having internally, which I also think is such an artful way to craft a story to sort of allow her external force to also be her internal struggle. I also love that Nyla 
who is the co-writer of this mm-hmm. book, she's an Inuit filmmaker, and she actually co-created Snow Guard along with Jim Zub and Sean Isaacs. So it's cool to have them working together on this Amka-focused issue. The transformation into all the animals is one of my favorite things. I love seeing like well-illustrated animals, and especially with mm-hmm. character and, and personality, because they're you know it's Amka personifying these creatures and, and like using her powers in really cool ways. I also love like the little kids running around being like, be a bear <laughs> because it was my, like the first thing I would be like is like, turn into something soft and fluffy and let me pet you, which sounds weird, but like would do. That's what I would want. Yeah, totally. It's a really wonderful issue. Even if you haven't been reading Champions uh, and you just want a, a story that is about a fresh and modern new character, something you should definitely just check out. I think you'll, you'll be really surprised and delighted if you've not been keeping up. And the new Champions series starts very soon, so stay tuned for that. Up next is Dead Man Logan number two. It's written by Ed Brisson, art by Mike Henderson, colors by Nolan Woodard, and letters by VCs Corey Petit. This one has one of the most disturbing images of the week in it. That was literally what I was going to say. Right off the top, it starts with Spider-Man being chased by Hydra, and it is... I was shook. Yeah, it Straight ends up, horrifically. It's... And I was like, I actually got to that page and I was like, this upsets me on a very like visceral level. But it's a in, good effect. It is great effect. It's in line with Wolverine killing all the X-Men in the original Old Man Logan story. Like that sense of just horror that I got. Very disturbing. But it's what helps make this whole scenario in this book of sinister gathering Mysterio and forming this evil alliance to act out the events to actually bring about the world of Old Man Logan, why it makes it all so terrifying. It feels so, like, nasty and real. Mike's art is so crisp and emotive. You feel the movement of the characters, the intensity of the action, the sneer of the villains, the humor at the light moments when you have Logan with his friends. I love it. And also you get... More Mysterio. If you love Mysterio, you should read that issue also. Yeah. Up next is Defenders, the best defense, number one. And it is my first pick of the week. And our chicken's done. Yay. You don't eat chicken. I don't. No. But it sounded fun. Yeah. (laughs) It is written by Al Ewing Art by Joe Bennett, inks by Bellardino Bravo, colors by Dono Sanchez Armada, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. So... Right off the bat, you know we've got the writer and the artist from Immortal Hulk. So you know the game has stepped up. I'm very excited by that, but I will not spoil it. We learn of the core evil at the heart of the story at the beginning of the issue. Won't spoil what or who or anything about what that is, but it was a surprise in some ways for me. But also, I thought it was really, really cool because it ties into deeper, long-term Defender stories and, like, It's one of those things where you get a really nerdy Marvel writer who just starts (laughs) being like, I remember this story when I was a kid. And I'm like pulling little threads and putting it all together and making it really creepy and cool. I'm just delighted that we have Al and Joe on this story. It's super weird. Like bonkers weird. And that is just what I love. It has creepy ties to Hulk and lets Joe Bennett just go ham with strange designs and monsters and Kirbyishness taken to like yeah. like dastardly levels. It's fantastic. My new favorite characters, Bors and Mogaris. They are two demons who are also leopard people in nice suits. Yeah. At least that's the fleshy versions that they they choose. Like they go through a storyline. But there's they, a they are sort of like the human embodiment of leopard print. 
<laughs> you know, like they yeah. they feel like smooth and cool and, sure. and they got leopard face. Yeah. There's also talk of an actual execution in face eating. It happens and uh, it is wild. I have really enjoyed this storyline a ton. I think it's something that stands alone yet ties into all the things happening with Hulk, with Doctor Strange, to a lesser extent Strange, but a lot with Hulk, a lot with Namor, I think a lot with Silver Surfer. Uh, truly excellent story. All these issues have come out in the last couple of weeks, so you can binge the full series right away. But I have a question. Hit me. Are the Defenders the best defense? Because that's the name of the issue. I think they are, actually, because they stop something that destroys like a dozen worlds and they stop it. They defend the Earth against something that seemed indefensible. Ooh, I like it. All right. Next up, Domino. Ding dong, Domino number nine is here. (laughs) Written by Gail Simone with art by David Baldion and Michael Shelfer. Inks by Roberto Poggi. So we get into Domino's story with Shunqua, who is, we get into her origin. We really get a full breakdown of who that character is, what her backstory is, where she's coming from. And she's a pretty compelling little badass. Yeah. So last week, for listeners of This Week in Marvel or just who generally keep up with Marvel news, you'll know that we announced Domino Hotshots. It's a new series coming in March. And there was a character on the cover and, and in the description named Atlas Bear. And I was like, I know a fair number of things about Marvel. I have no clue who Atlas Bear is. So I was just sort of like wrote it off. But this is the introduction and sort of the whole story behind who Atlas Bear is. And yes, she's awesome. We also get something that you 90s nerds are going to love or maybe it's even earlier than that, really, 80s, but uh, Longshot yeah. uh, is making an appearance. I don't want to spoil it, but let's just say luck versus luck is not lucky for anyone. It's really fun to see two pairs of luck powers and how the heck that shakes out. So you get, like, kind of a twofer in there. Yeah. He's in a bad way. And on the plus side, still got it, the good mull. Yeah. See, I was going to say, yeah, on the downside, he's still got that mullet. No. No, it's good. Okay. No, it's It's real good. Okay. Real good. He's He's owning it. Eight fingers, four on each hand, which always freaks me out. Yeah, he looks real weird. He's got hollow bones. He's long shot. He's great. I love him. (laughs) All right, up next is Exiles number 11. This is written by Saladin Ahmed and drawn by Javier Rodriguez. Inks by Alvaro Lopez. Colors by Munso Vicente. Letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. We saw early on in the series this this version of Kamala Khan, who, who we just called Khan, and the darker version. She is back here in the story, and she's got a new team of exiles that runs counter to the crew of exiles that we've been following along here. They've got cool designs and ideas, and you know, like there's a version who looks kind of like Kang and has a suit of armor. There's an almost dark manga version of X-23. There's a hulked out, messed up monster Steve Rogers. There's a Killmonger. And there's a skeleton Thor. Yeah, I'm kind of living for the name X-Two-Thirds. Yeah, uh, Which so is good. real good. Yep. Also, I love that she kind of has like a Bishoujo figure vibe, that's, right? That's what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bishoujo, I don't know. I don't like these. They're 
you put it in quotes, but they're like beautiful girl sort of anime style. So they're a little bit more like cutesy poses and stuff. And they have like more anime, like big eyes and that kind of thing. But yeah. very much in that world. Kotobukiya has a whole line of these figures. Judy Stevens has collected so many of them. Yeah, I have a bunch too. There you go. <laughs> and, you know, we've got really cool stuff between these two groups. The heart of this, though, is why... Khan is at odds with Blink and and this crew, and it's just a big old heartbreaker. It's tough. And as usual, Javier Rodriguez is a ding-dang magic man. His work is incredible. There's one particular sequence in which King, aka Cowboy T'Challa, is told he has to shoot a skeleton Thor in its eye socket and not touch any part of the bone going in. And he's like, yeah, I got this. And the way Javier lays it out and then pays it off, shows the bullet going in, the way it's integrated with a sound effect, it is masterful. Next up, it's the end. Extermination, number five. Everybody dies. No, I'm just kidding. That was my addition. Not Whoa. anything to do with the book. <laughs> Extermination, I'm just saying it's in the name. Written by Ed Brisson. Art by Pepe Larraz. Colors by Marte Gracia. Letters by VCs Joe Sabino. This is wrapping up the sort of big conclusion of this event. Ahab being a straight jerk. I think my favorite sort of component of this in wrapping up this storyline is that you get to see the hounds are kind of just everywhere and you get to see people switching over that you don't want to see switch over or that is really fun and exciting. You get to see the hounds grab Storm in this beautiful moment. It's a gorgeous panel with all of this light radiating everywhere. It's so epic. And then this whole storyline really just does a beautiful job of wrapping up the stories. I know there has been confusion on how do you like wrap up all of these Timelines on timelines on timelines, but it really does a good job of explaining it and letting you know just where the chips may land. All right. Iceman number four. Written by Cena Grace with art by Nathan Stockman. Colors by Frederico Bali. And letters by VCs Joe Sabino. I, I don't know why. I just get like I'm Don Pardo. I get excited. Joe will be very happy by that. You are so welcome, Joe. So we have Iceman doing his Iceman life. I think this is just such a fun thing. It feels kind of like around Jubilee's appearance, I always get a feeling for like the mall X-Men. And that's what this always kind of gives me that feel because it's them being together. They're actually having conversations with each other as opposed to crashing up bad guys the whole time, which I just think is fun to experience. We get some quality time between Kitty Pride and Storm just talking about I love that. Doing your life and doing your makeup and living your life. Just, I don't know. Like, Because if you go back to the earliest appearances of Kitty Pride, she and Storm connect so closely. And they are so like – Kitty looks up to Storm so mm-hmm. much and Storm sort of brings Kitty under her wing. She's a little bit older, more experienced. She understands the world a little bit more. They have such a great dynamic. And I love when a writer touches on that and then really hits it and Cena is so good. And then, of course, we have Dazzler wearing every Dazzler outfit ever. It just really feels like such a little love letter to the X-Men in this whole issue because it's like, hey, don't you love all of Dazzler's outfits? Do you want to see them all? Let's do that. Yeah, um, I do. Which is really fun. And then, of course, we get to see Mr. Sinister dance. Yeah. So get stoked. Okay. I got to say, though, you skipped over one of the greatest things in here. I was messaging back and forth with Cena a bunch after I read it because I was so excited by it. So there's a character in here a brand new character that Cena and Nathan introduced by the name of Shade. 
Shade is an awesome drag queen mutant with powers that seem kind of like Dark Force related from the little bit that we see. And I believe we'll see her again in the next issue. I just thought her her look was so cool. She's part of this mutant pride parade. It was terrific. And also, honestly, what better name? Like, that's such a good drag name. Shade. (laughs) Fan. It's kind of hard. Like, you should be here for it. But I love drag queens. (laughs) Yeah. Up next is Infinity Wars. Number six. And oh man, what an ending. It is written by Jerry Duggan. Art by Mike Diodato Jr. and Frank Martin. Letters by VCs Corey Petit. Man, we got the big, punchy universes ending and saving business. And that's all great. We've got the warps and their cool business. And that's only part of the story here. Uh, there's so much to it. This feels like, you know, chapters of this big book. And, and we're getting it all right here. I love Diodato's action. But when he's drawing people connecting talking, reacting. He does that so well. There's a just a, like a panel of Moondragon and Phylavel. They have just like come back from almost being destroyed out of existence. And they've both been dead in our universe. So they're here. First, you get this moment with Moondragon and Drax, who like father and daughter connecting. And like there's this beautiful smile. And then later, like after the dust has settled, you just got this beautiful panel of the two of them, Moondragon and Phyla, just caressing. Oh, my gosh. I, that is exactly what I was yeah. going to say. That moment, those two like kind of shared touch hug moments, and they feel so poignant and beautiful and also like ship it. I love it. <laughs> I am staying away from spoilers, but we will talk around some things when we get into our next issue. But the Infinity War story was much headier and and twistier than uh, a lot of the others in the Infinity sort of larger saga. I think they really nailed it. Jerry and, and crew did a great job. Next up, continuing on that line, Infinity Wars Fallen Guardian number one. So there's your spoiler, guys. There is going to be a Fallen Guardian. Uh, I'm not going to spoil anything, but I am going to tell you who wrote it, which was Jerry Duggan, art by Andy McDonald, colors by Chris O'Halloran, and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. I will say that if you guys are worried about any spoilers, skip ahead like two or three minutes. Just we're not going to mention the specific Fallen Guardian. But if you just don't want to hear about the story at all yet, just go get out, get out but of stay, here, like, and, and stay the, close. but like stay. Just skip ahead a few. Like what I liked about this story is it's really Warlock telling two members of the Guardians a story, right? Like that's the sort of the structure of this. I thought was a neat like storytelling device. And honestly, if you're a fan of the old school Guardians comics, I think that you will love this because you get a different look into that story from a different perspective. And I think you will find it very fun. Yeah. It digs back way far into this particular character's history, gives a really great look at it, adds a lot more emotional depth. I wanted to also make sure we mention a little bit more about uh, Andy, Andy McDonald's work. Uh, He did the Multiple Man series, and he handles the absurd stuff here really, really well. It's very fun, but also really sells the big intense cosmic stuff, the big dramatic stuff, the emotional things. And I like the weight he gives his characters. Like, shoulders or just like you feel their presence when they're just standing around or doing stuff. Up next is Killmonger number two. It is written by Brian Hill. Art and cover by Juan Ferreira. Letters by VCs Joe Sabino. And uh, yeah, every once in a while we get an artist who handles the whole kit and caboodle of the art from penciling, inking to colors and all that stuff. And that is your boy Juan. But 
I want to talk first a little bit about Brian Hill because he has, I pulled a quote from this book that I love so much. One of the characters says, quote, anger is like an old gun. When it works, you're deadly. When it doesn't, it will blow up in your face. I think that's just such a, like a really solid line. And it really plays into what Brian is doing on this story of talking about Eric Killmonger and looking into his anger, looking into his fear and how that both helps and hinders him and his mission and, you know, why he has been such a resonant character, but also is a character that is long gone. That anger pushed him past his edge. And this is a very violent book. Yeah, in general, if you're not there for some violence, not probably not for you. But I do have to say, I love this opening page where it just says boom, clap, boom, clap, boom, clap, where they're all dancing in a club. Something about it just feels like being in a club. Yeah, Juan just draws the hell out of everything. And like this scene, this opening scene of, you know, like coming in, focusing on one of the characters of this mercenary group. She's dancing in a club. It's so cool. The the light, the colors, everything about it is so fantastic. And the flirting. Don't forget the flirting. Yeah. There's palpable flirting, you Mm -hmm. guys. Flirt alert. Flirt alert. Another neat thing is that this is a while ago, right? Like this is Killmonger when he was a bit younger. There's a certain villain who shows up here and he looks a little younger. And that image of Fisk in the limo is so beautiful. He's in a cityscape and you sort of see the back window behind him just flooded with color. It's so beautiful. It feels very New York. Yeah. That was Killmonger. Up next is League of Legends Ash, War Mother, number one, written by Odin Austin Schaefer with art by Nina Vacueva and letters by Cardinal Ray. There's two great names I also saw in the credits, which I wanted to point out. Ellie Pyle, who's senior editor, and Janine Schaefer, who got special thanks. They're two amazing women and former Marvel editors, and it makes me even more excited for this project. Obviously, you too. I love them both. Yeah. Anyway, I know nothing about the lore of League of Legends. It's an incredibly popular game. It's got lots of cool characters, huge worldwide. Uh, But this is like my first exposure past that surface level stuff. Uh, It's my first exposure to the character of Ash, her tribe, her family, the myths and the legends and all the elements that are in here. And it's really cool. I like that this is centered around this badass matriarchal society, this crew uh, with Ash's mom being the leader here. And I'm curious how this fits into the overall league mythology, if it's a connected world, all that good stuff, because there's so much even in just what we see here. This issue also includes a ton of bonus material, including character design, sketch and thumbnail pages, and a glossary of terms to help understand this world, which I think is really neat. Give me a shout if you are a League of Legends player. I want to know more. Next up is The Life of Captain Marvel, number five, written by Margaret Stoll. Pencils by Carlos Pacheco. Inks by Rafael Fonteres. Colors by Marcio Menes and Frederico Blee. And we also have additional art by Marguerite Savage. So this is all about Carol, and it's really just diving more into her connection with her mother, her past, her origin, and owning the power that's been there inside of her the whole time. You get super amazing butt kicking alongside her mother. It is so phenomenal. The art is beautiful. And it's so interesting to sort of see the two of them because side by side, they look very similar. And you see this like deeper part of who Carol really is. Yeah. There's also, you know, when you have 
Carlos doing the present day. You have Marguerite doing the flashback stuff. They do some really great stuff where they trade back and forth on the same page, which is wonderful sort of mirroring way to tell the story. I love that kind of stuff. And it looks gorgeous. Stellar, stellar issue. Before we move on to the next book, I want to point out that the Marvel 2019 calendar is out this week as well. I know many of you like getting the Marvel calendar, so go to your local comic shop, say, hello, sir or madam, I would like a Marvel 2019 calendar, please. And hopefully they have some for you. I don't know why, but when you said that, my first thought was like when guys do calendars like firemen and stuff, and then I just went on a thought journey of just like the editors like posing, reading books, looking sassy over a shoulder. I don't know. I'm pitching it. Yeah. For next year, Tom Brevoort just like wearing a hat and like holding his glasses down Ooh. on his nose. Ooh la la. Is this weird? No. You know Nick Lowe is already like walking <laughs> up here being like, okay, how do I make this work? I, I felt a cool wind and I knew. <laughs> All right. Up next is Marvel Knights 20th number four. And this one is... The story is by Vida Ayala and Donnie Cates with the script by Vida, art by Joshua Casara, colors by Matt Mila, and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. I think this is the first full issue I've read by Vida Ayala, and it is great. I've read some of her other stories. She's had a couple things for Marvel, but it is terrific. It is all about T'Challa figuring out his place in this world that has forgotten its heroes, where its heroes have forgotten themselves. But his will is so strong. His connection to his identity, to Wakanda, is so strong that whatever has worked against the world's heroes may not be enough against him. I think that's such a powerful thing that speaks to who T'Challa is and and especially to the T'Challa that came out of Marvel Knights because it's such a pivotal moment for that character and has informed so much of what we love and appreciate about Black Panther at this point. So this is such a great issue. Plus, we get a glimpse at what could be doing all of this to our heroes. Very New York City feeling story all told. Next up is Marvel Superhero Adventures number one. I am obsessed. And that sound means our chicken's done. No, I'm just kidding. That you means. the same joke already, Lorraine. Get I out. I, no, it's a callback now. Wow. That's a, okay. Nothing is done. I'm done with being so excited about this because it's my favorite. Isn't that better? Snow days are meant for relaxing, and that's what this has right here. It is a whole bunch of stories by a whole bunch of people. Let's see how many I can get through. There's Joe Carmagna, Mario Del Penino, and Jim Campbell, as well as Leah Williams, Ty Templeton, and Kieran Smith, and then Ty Templeton again with Kieran Smith, and then... Owen McCarran and Andy Yanchis. You guys, this is starting to feel like a quiz. So many people worked on this. So many people worked on this. I want to give extra love, though, to that title, Captain Marvel, Frost Giants Among Us. Like Marvel Superhero Adventures, Captain Marvel, Frost Giants Among Us. I just like that. Makes me so happy. It's so good. And honestly, I have to say there is the best moment in this very first story where Spider-Man's like, hey, Captain America, make the call. What do we do? And he goes, Carol Danvers is a colonel. She outranks me. (laughs) (laughs) And then she's like, we go. And everyone goes. And it is so good. Also, I love this so much because especially there are these little strips hidden in the middle, these like beautiful little... Palette cleansing delights. And they're so fun because they are all 
harken back to the funny pages. So there's cobwebs featuring your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, which is basically a send up or a love letter to the Peanuts. There is Daily, which is very much a Dilbert style comic taking place at the Daily Bugle. And there is Thor the Horrible, who is basically Hagar the Horrible. They're all kind of drawn in a similar style. Oh, and how could I forget Little Orphan Ant-Man? So it really has tons of things from your favorite uh, sort of Sunday papers with a Marvel sort of pastiche added. It's so fun. And then I have to say this final story has is a Spider-Man story. And he starts out the story on the lobster boat, which is a New York City institution. I go on the lobster boat every single summer with my fiance. It's like one of the things that we go do together. You sit and you eat seafood. and it's covered in butter. Covered in butter. And you ride around the Hudson River. And I'm so thrilled to see it on the page. Yeah. Up next is Old Man Hawkeye number 12. This is it. This is the last time I'll talk about Old Man Hawkeye, at least for the foreseeable future. But it's what a run it has been. It is written by Ethan Sachs, art by Francesco Mobley, colors by Andres Mosa, and letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. Oh, I can't believe this all came out in one calendar year. The first issue came out in January. We've been rolling through. Such a great series. It's all about revenge and survival and friendship and survival. And being old. And death. And uh, this was Ethan's first series as a comic writer, which is bananas. <laughs> How good is he? Man, there's a big final battle between the Hawkeyes and Bullseye, plus avalanches in here. And you get some setup for the world in which we first meet Old Man Clint in the pages of Old Man Logan's story. Great job. And we know that up next, we're going to get an Old Man Quill story, which is going to be a hoot. Prob- no, you know what? It's probably going to be really sad. Lots Aww. of old people just... He's like, I can't dance like I used to. Oh, he's got hip dysplasia and, <laughs> you know, bunion feats and stuff. Anyway, up next is Punisher number five. This is written by Matthew Rosenberg, art by Simon Kudransky, colors by Antonio Fabella, letters by VCs Corey Pettit. I was very confused right off the top because there's a very silly black metal joke in here. There's a burger joint called Dimu Burger, which is a pun on the black metal band Dimu Burger. Burger. Oh. They're like a symphonic black metal band that I enjoy. But Matt, as far as I know, not a, a metal dude. He's, you know, he's mostly like the hardcore what? punk guy. Why are you trying to put Matt Rosenberg in a box? Well, this was as far as I know. So I, I thought also that it was Jake Thomas, the editor, because I know he loves metal. Just figured this was a Jake joke. But I was like, I got to know. I am a journalist dick person and so i text matt as i was reading it i was like matt is this joke by you or by jake and he said it was by him and he actually wrote the joke while he was listening to demu borgir and so i have been corrected i will not put matt in a box he is outside that box he is like disregards all boxes he is wily and you cannot control what he does. Exactly. Anyway, um, he's just so metal. Matt's Frank is also super metal, but he's also super sassy and fun. His Frank Castle is like black comedy to the nth degree. He's like makes these weird jokes to himself, kind of, or to the people he's murdering. It's really intense. He leaves something for Doctor Strange, and he leaves a note with it, and he signs the letter, Love, Frank, which I just got the biggest kick out of. It slayed me. It was so good. This one is a brutal tour of just straight up 
punishment as Frank goes after Baron Zemo. You get fingers bitten off, heads lopped off, people getting burned. It is intense and a great Punisher comic. Mm, I want a demon burger now. (laughs) And next up, Runaways, number 16. Written by Rainbow Rowell, art by Chris Anka, with colors by Matthew Wilson, lettered by VCs Joe Carmagna. And I love Runaways. It's not fair for me to read any Runaways comic because it's always my favorite. Um, (laughs) I love Runaways, and I love Rainbow Rowell writing Runaways because she loves Runaways as much as I do, if not more. I don't know if it's actually possible, as does Chris Anka. Yeah, you love Rainbow Rowell. We love Rainbow Rowell. I got to talk with Rainbow Rowell uh, for This Week in Marvel. There will be a special bonus episode of the show going up very shortly this week, most likely after you've listened to this, but uh, make sure you subscribe to This Week in Marvel to hear that conversation. Hot dang, that's a treat because she's awesome to talk to. She's a cool lady. Mm -hmm. So this comic is all taking place. The kids that are no longer really kids are locked away in the hostel Gib, the friendly child Gaborum. So Gib has the kids locked up. They're all stuck in the hostel. And, of course, it's the holidays. Nico uses her magic not to free them. No, to bring Christmas to them with a holly jolly, holly, a jolly holiday spell. It is so delightful. They all suddenly have magical Christmas sweaters. And it's just so fun to see Molly delight in the holidays. And if you like Gert and Victor Mancha, he's got a body yaddy yaddy now. Uh, they all get Christmas sweaters, but Old Lace gets a wreath for, that she wears around. <laughs> and then Rufus, the cat, has a little bow on his tail. It's so cute. It is so Cute. I mean, honestly, Chris Egg is crushing the art here, too, with just how fun the Christmas decor is. And it's so great because, obviously, tensions are boiling. They've been stuck down, essentially, in a basement together. And so it's like a real f- holiday argument. Yeah. It, like it, with your f- real family. Yeah. <laughs> also, got to mention, Doombot shows up here and he's <laughs> magic. Uh, so much fun. Dialogue. Like, Rainbow is just having a ball with his dialogue. It's so good. All right. Up next is Season's Beatings. And that is my second pick of the week. Oh, boy, this book is bonkers fun. It's a connected anthology holiday one-shot that starts with X-Force in a mall and Deadpool singing songs while lounging in a dumpster and wearing a blood-covered Santa suit. And it just gets both darker and sweeter from there. It is all written by Jason Latour. So, yes, there's classic, wonderful, uh, old-school wrestling references in here. There's a mention of college football because, yes, it's Jason. And a nice little Spider-Gwen cameo, a little cute one. Uh, And I got to say, my favorite story might be Nuts and Bolts. We'll get there. We'll get there, Lorraine. I'm impatient. Yes, but Jason works with artist Greg Hinkle to do the Deadpool story, which ties all the stories together. There's then a Peter Parker and Miles Morales story by Jason, Chris Brunner, and Rico Renzi. It actually is a a really sweet, little sad, has a very cool art style that in some ways reminds me of Paul Pope, which I really dig. There's a Doctor Doom Squirrel Girl story, which, yeah, you're all about. Which is called Nuts and Bots. Yeah. And... Honestly, you know I am all about that GLXmas issue where Squirrel Girl beats up everybody from Doctor Doom to Thanos. And so it was really nice to see Squirrel Girl, Dorian Green, just being her sweet self, trying to be friendly with a Doom. Yeah, like the conceit there is that she goes to Latveria 
to give present to Dr. Doom. She's giving presents to people who otherwise would not get presents who need that extra bit of cheer. So I find that really, really sweet. Jason writes wonderful Doombot dialogue. Like there's his just like random chatter between Doombots is tremendous. I need more of that. The story, super cute. So cute, in fact, that Deadpool even remarks wondering how anyone let them put Squirrel Girl in a book with him while he's covered in blood and in this Santa suit. The fourth story is by Jason and Veronica Fish. Features mall Santas, Skrulls, murder, hard-boiled cops, and more in a West Coast Avengers little mini-story starring Kate Bishop, Hawkeye, and Quentin Quire. It is an absolute delight and has an incredible homage slash parody to one of my favorite holiday time movies, Die Hard. I enjoyed this issue a ton. Up next is you. Sherry number three by Nettie Accor for art by Leonardo Romero. Color artist is Jordi Belair. Hi, Jordi. I love you. Uh, letter. <laughs> I haven't talked to Jordi in a while. I just got like, I saw her name. I got so excited. I hope that like she just go. Oh, hi, Lorraine. Hi. I, if you're listening, Jordi, at me. I just, I miss you. And then lettered by VCs Joe Sabino. This is really fun. We have Shuri projecting herself into the astral plane to help out her pals Rocket and Groot, who are being attacked by a big bug. It's a really fun story, and we get the added bonus of getting to hear Groot say, I am Shuri, over and over and over again. It is everything. It is adorable. And it is full of adventure. Yeah, the giant space mantis creature is so cool and it eats energy and music. This book is just full of cool ideas. Like the the stuff with Shuri being in Groot's body, her consciousness in there, just sort of visualizing the way that that would work. I thought it was such a neat idea. Beyond fun. I love this book. Up next is Solo, a Star Wars story adaptation number three. It is written by Robbie Thompson, art by Will Sliney, colors by Federico Blee, Stefani Rene, and Andres Mosa, letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. Great cover. Got to shout it out to Phil Noto. He's great. He's the best. I love him. I love his sweet face. Anyway, there's some extra bits in here outside the movie. Little bits, little bits. Like seeing Kira learn Taras Kasai or Taras Kasai. I'm not really sure how you say it, uh, but it's a martial art in the Star Wars universe. And I remember it from an old video game, the Masters of the Terra Kasai. Also, it's really neat to see Will Sliney draw the creatures in the scene where we first meet Lando in that like uh, gambling scene. Really, really fun. And next up, Spider Geddon. Spider Geddon. There it is. Number five. Number five means they're not alive because it's a Spider Geddon. Everyone dies. No, I'm just kidding. What is... <laughs> I love doing it when I know it's the end of an event where it's like kind of promised that things are going to go wrong at some point. I just want to say everybody dies. It's not a spoiler. Not everyone dies. Maybe someone lives. TBD. So Spider Geddon number five with a story based on one by Dan Slott. Christos Gage is our writer. And then we have Jorge Molina, Carlo Barberi, Stefano Caselli, and Joey Vasquez, as well as inkers Jay Lyson, Jose Marzon Jr., Stefano Caselli, Joey Vasquez, and colors by David Curiel. And we have VCs Travis Lanham on our letters. And this book is really really fun. The guys are going up and gals are going up against Solus. They have the Scarlet Spider in their clutches, which leads to one of my favorite things ever when they get a little bit of his essence and say, 
oh, I'm dying. Because ah, Scarlet Spider's been through so much stuff. And he says, oh, you have food poisoning, <laughs> uh, which is mwah, so delightful. There's uh, a ton of humor in this book, a ton of beautiful moments. And it wraps it all up very nicely in a bow, but with still more things to come in the future. And, of course, how could I leave out Miles Morales being the possessor of the Enigma Force, getting to be the captain of the universe and kicking all of the butts with his superpowered venom blasts. Yeah, it's pretty neat. There's a, a vibe to it. The way he like powers up one of his shots as Captain Universe reminds me of Dragon Ball. It all comes back to Dragon Ball, you guys. Oh, and we get Spider-Man just being the best in yeah. general and being an emissary of hell. Somewhere in Earth's Mightiest Show, we have a clip of him saying he's the emissary of hell in the old 70s television show, so would recommend. If you are going to go see Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, <gasps> take a look at Miles's desk. He has a drawing of a very interesting robot, a Leopardian robot yeah. on his desk. It's really cool. Great stuff all around. Also great, Star Wars Darth Vader number 25, written by Charles Soule. Breakdowns and pencils by Giuseppe Camoncoli, inks by Cam Smith, finishes by Daniel Orlandini, colors by David Curiel, Dono Sanchez Almara, and Eric Arseniega, and uh, letters by VCs Travis Lanham. This is the end, you guys. I'm so sad. Yeah. Where's Tucker? Why is he not here? Because this is the finale. I'm right here. I'm, I'm here for you. Yeah, we're ringing a, a bell for Tucker because he would choose this as one of his books. Every time a bell rings, Tucker gets a comic pick. Ooh, nice. And it is a trippy, surreal end to this as it's mostly set in this sort of spiritual realm. Vader has tapped into the dark force energies and goes into this realm as kind of a force being hoping to find Padme. So you get this tour of Anakin and Vader's life, the tragedy, the triumph, the truth, and the sadness, all of it wrapped into this thing, and specific lines and quotes and thoughts that you, you would know from the movies. Charles really digs into all those aspects. But Camo, man, he is a magician of art, and I love him. He just does all this wonderful structure, creates this haunting look of the realm and, and Vader's visions. It's so cool. It feels like this is a very pivotal part in Vader's history. I'm glad we got this story. Well, and speaking of wild and crazy art, let's get into Thor. This is Thor number eight, and it is written by Jason Aaron with art by Mike Del Mundo, letters by VCs Joe Sabino. And I mean, Mike Del Mundo can do the art. All day long. The sort of tag of this is brother and sister unite as the War of the Realms looms. We're getting geared up for War of the Realms. And this first page is so epic. They do a really great job of not only jumping between places, but sort of time periods like yesterday, today, tomorrow, whatever. And so it starts with tomorrow. And the first page is just this really gory, rough page of... Thor in excruciating pain. There are thoughts all over him of where his brain is sort of cracking under the pain and torture that he's under. And then we kind of see how we got there. And it flashes back and forth through different people, places, and things, all of the nouns, checking in with different parts of the story. And we learn that Thor is being indeed tortured by the angels of heaven. Yeah, just because they're from heaven does not necessarily mean that they are super nice. And I think it's heaven, H-E-V-E-N, no A. Heaven. Heaven. 
Heaven. Heaven. Heaven. Is it like we're from New Zealand? New Zealand. <laughs> it was heaven, man. Heaven. You guys, tell us about other places. If you're a Kiwi and you're offended, I'm sorry. <laughs> I meant that was Canadian. So everybody's, everybody's so getting bad. upset. It's so good because it's so bad. That's what it is. But not this comic. This comic is flipping phenomenal. So gorgeous. Very amped up for War of the Realms. And uh, I can already see the web being woven. Yeah. Um, I want to say the MVP of this issue, maybe my MVP of the week, is Thori the Murder Dog. Yeah. Uh, Thori showing up here, just being so wonderful. His dialogue is so fun. He's a fierce warrior. And I'll be honest, I deeply fear that Jason will kill him by the end of War of the Realms. And I am not okay with that. Yeah, I really appreciated the other day we were having that conversation on Twitter with Tom Taylor about Honey Badger and how she's going to pan out in the universe. And uh, you do not care for your characters getting murdered. I don't like it. The characters that I get connected to, I, yeah, you know, you can kill Gambit eight ways to Sunday, but don't hurt, you know, my sweet Gabby or my little murder dog. They're good souls. Leave them be. It's really weird to sit in a writer's room sometimes because people are just like, who do you want to murder? And it's like, dang. Anyway. Anyway, up next is Uncanny X-Men number six, written by Matthew Rosenberg, Kelly Thompson, and Ed Brisson. Art by Yildare Sinar. Colors by Rochelle Rosenberg. Letters by VC Joe Caramagna. Okay. We finally get the X-Men versus X-Men showdown in this issue. And it is uh, kind of a big one-sided affair, to be honest. Something we talked about with Matt Rosenberg before the book launched is this concept of the grandchildren of the Atom, the young generation of X-Men. And they've been in the mix in various ways throughout this run. But now they're a key part of things for better or worse, especially for them. We're getting into, what is this, issue six, right? Four more issues before the Age of X-Men happens. What does it all mean? We'll find out. Up next is Weapon H number 11. And oh boy, this one is a good one. It is written by Greg Pak, art by Guillaume Villanova, colors by Maury Hollowell and Chris Sotomayor, letters by VC Joe Caramagna. I love Weird World, Lorraine. Weird World. You, is you the best. love the weird stuff. I do. I love the stories there. I love the strangest, the creatures, the ability to just. Throw away rules and go wild. It is so much fun. Uh, we've got Morgan Le Fay in here, enemy of the Knights of the Round and, and longtime Marvel villainess. And here she's the ruler in Weird World, commanding nightmare creatures and taking over Weapon H to defeat the evil World Messin Corporation of Roxxon. And then just one of my favorite characters of the last year, the brood dude, Blake. He is a hoot. It's, it's real good. It's gorgeous, and we're, we're hitting a big crucial conclusion point for this book. Next up, we have West Coast Avengers number six, written by Kelly Thompson with art by Danielle DiNicolo, letters by VCs Joe Carmagna. Okay, so we have a bunch of baddies taking on a bunch of goodies in a creepy amusement park. Murder carnival. It's a murder carnival. My favorite kind of carnival right after one where no, there was no murder. And the, you got the psycho circus. You got your murder carnival. This has taken such a strange turn. But I feel sad that there's not like a third one. Murder carnival. Killer. Cir- I'm going to think about it. Killer clowns from outer space. Yeah, there's a good one. None of those things are in this book, though. <laughs> <laughs> So we have Madame Mask and her evil baddies. We got the eel, Satana, not Santana the band, but oh my god, what if it was not Carlos Santana the guitarist? Carlos Santana gender swapped to be a demonic daughter of hell. Here for it. Wow. 
The eel has one of my favorite costumes. You only get to see a little bit of him in here, but such a cool design. And then, of course, your best friend, Modoc. Yeah, hi. You love him. I do. I just love that they are really doing some classic supervillain stuff, which is like, let's murder them, but in an elaborate way yeah. that will amuse us. And whoever does it the most elaborate wins. Yeah. And that's how all villains talk totally. when they're being saucy. You get to see the team try to wiggle their way out of it. We get Kate Bishop and her mom. More mother feels going on. I'm very excited to see what's panning out with that storyline and all of the mystery surrounding her mother's disappearance, murder, reappearance, etc. Yeah. I love this. It was one of my favorite comics every week. So good. Hope you guys are enjoying it. And an unexpected romantic moment between two characters who love pink. Mm. And we've got four True Believers issues. They are all Fantastic Four issues. They will cost you $1 each. I don't know. Something happened with my voice and I just rolled with it. We've got True Believers, Blastar, Frightful Four, Claw, and Ronin and the Cree. Those are four fantastic issues. Mm-hmm. You cannot, you cannot get me down, man. When you're disappointed, I feel better about myself. Terrific. That's how. <laughs> That's how I got through high school, right? (laughs) Uh, Lorraine, what collections are on sale this week? Oh, let me tell you. First up, my girl, Captain Marvel, Carol Danvers, The Ms. Marvel Years, Volume 3. Then we have Daredevil, Back in Black, Volume 7, Mayor Murdoch. And Marvel Knights, Daredevil by Bendis, Jenkins, Gale, and Mac, Unusual Suspects. And Marvel Knights, Daredevil by Mac and Casada, Parts of a Whole. Oh, and there's, there's more. Many more. If you thought we had almost 30 comics, we also have like 12 or 15 collections out this week. We also have Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur Volume 6, Save Our School. Uh, big note, this is the collection that has the cover that I'm on. So if you're like, I need to make sure I get a copy of the one with Ryan in it, which I'm sure all of you are saying that, this is the one. You're going to need to get that one. Next up, Moon Knight Epic Collection Final Rest. ruined moon knight epic collection final rest moon knight legacy volume two phases multiple man it all makes sense in the end new x-men academy x the complete collection century man of two worlds highly suggest that it was really good when you especially when you read it all as one story Ooh, and she-Hulk by Soul and Polito, the complete collection, Superior Spider-Man Companion, Thor Volume 1, God of Thunder Reborn. Must read, get it, get it, get it. Venom, First Host, X-Men Reload by Chris Claremont Volume 1, The End of History. Squeeoo! Uh, there's also... Uh, <laughs> that was a turkey guitar for sure. Yeah, yeah, a turk guitar. We have a bunch of digital collections out this week. I wanted to point out that we have a bunch of Marvel Adventures books, which are great for uh, folks who have younger readers that they want to introduce to Marvel characters. So you got like some Spider-Man and the Avengers, Doom with a View, Concrete Jungle, some really fun Spider-Man stuff in there. And if you want an illustrated version of the Odyssey, that's a digital collection you can pick up this week too. We did a whole bunch of Marvel Illustrated books a bunch of years ago. It's cool to see them back. And on the freshly digitized tip, there's a lot of stuff in here. We're adding the original Marvel Knights Limited series from 2002. Generation X, we're finishing out the run, I think, of some of that in there. We got a bunch of random X-Men annuals, 7, 8, and 13, which always makes me happy. And then tons more. Lorraine. Hi. How you doing? I'm good. Where can fans find you if they want more of what you do for Marvel? 
oh, well, you can go over to Marvel.com and watch Earth's Mightiest Show, The Marvel Minute. I also work on Top Ten. Or you could just find me at Lorraine Sink. Yeah. Anywhere that social is mediated. Yeah. And you're on the last video version of Marvel's Pull List for yeah. the year. And that's it. That's the end of this episode. We're going to go and uh, sleep for days. I'm Ryan. I'm Lorraine. This is Marvel. Your universe.